you take God's precious word and turn to Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7, beginning a brand new chapter tonight. The title of the message tonight is Not Worth Dying For. Not Worth Dying For. There's some things that are worth dying for. And what we're going to be looking at tonight is not worth it. Tonight, Solomon's going to reiterate his admonition to us to take heed to these Proverbs. And he begins by repeating some familiar words. But in so doing, we're going to learn some important truths that we haven't really covered so far. In verse 1, he says, My son, keep my words. Keep my words. And as we've seen in our previous study here in the book of Proverbs, uh, more than once, the word keep here means to hedge something about. I'm about to hedge about this water here. But it means to hedge something about, to protect it, to keep it from being harmed or lost. To keep God's words is to make sure that they are never broken by our actions. To keep something from harm, you hedge it about. And so we keep God's words to make sure they're never broken by our actions. We hedge them about with our careful adherence to them, by our love for them, by our devotion to our God. We must not be careless with God's words. We must be careful to keep them from being broken by our disobedience. I think that's, uh, I know it is, one of the big problems we have today is that people are careless with God's word. The Bible speaks of those who tremble at God's word. That means they hear God's word and they're like, ooh, this is holy. I need to take heed to what's being said here. Versus those who are flippant about it, as the world is today. And we don't want to do that. Not only are we to keep the words of God, but we are called to lay them up as well. Solomon said, keep my words, look in your text now, and lay up my commandments with thee. So these are two different things that we're told to do. One to keep them, the other to lay them up. And to keep God's words are to make sure that they're never broken. To lay them up are to make sure they're never lost and forgotten. To keep God's words is to make sure they're never broken. To lay them up is to make sure they're never forgotten or never lost. When you lay them up, you have them on hand when you need them. Most of us tonight here probably have something that's important to us that we've laid up at our house, maybe at a safe deposit box at a bank or something like that, or a safe that you have in your home. But most of us have something that we've laid up. It may be some important documents that we put in a safe deposit box. It may be some gold or silver that we have in our safe I was talking to a young person the other day who said she planned on putting some 
money in a safe so she could have some on hand in case of an emergency. But we lay up or we store up those things that are most important to us. We place them under lock and key. And by doing so, we're hedging them about. And we're keeping them in a safe place in hopes that we will never lose that item. But that it will always be accessible to us when we need it. And that's what we should do with God's commandments. We should lay them up. How do you lay them up, Brother Richard? We don't have a safe deposit box for Scripture. Oh yeah, we could put our Bible in a safe. But you could put your Bible in a safe. You wouldn't be laying it up. You'd be shutting it away. To lay up Scripture is to put it in the treasury of your heart. That's where it belongs, in your heart. God's Word always belongs in our heart. The Scripture is very clear about that. Because the New Covenant, when Christ comes back, the Bible says God would write His law on the tables of our heart. So that's where we're to lay it up at. Our hearts, however, they don't have a lock and key, do they? We can't just like that. So how do we lay up these commandments in our hearts? Well, I have a little ritual when I come home each day, or if I am home, if I work from the house that day, uh, like on a sermon or in my book or something. Every day after the mail runs, I go and I grab my key to my mailbox. I go outside, open it up, get all the mail out, lock it back up, hang my key up, and then I go to a certain place in my home. Do you know where I go to first? I go to the recycling bin. Do you know why? The majority of that stuff's junk. It's just junk mail. And so I go to the recycling bin, and here's what I do. I've got the, the uh, bar right here, not the wet bar, but the, the bar right here. And I've got the recycling bin here, and... I'll go junk, 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 junk. Tammy gets all the good stuff, usually Tammy, 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 Tammy. And then I'll get a bill. And if I get a bill, I usually sit down immediately, get on my phone, get on my bank, pay the bill right then. And sometimes we may have correspondence or something, maybe a, a birthday card or a, a holiday card or uh, or, or maybe a, a personal letter from someone. Uh, but this time of year, we get tax stuff in the mail. And when I get tax stuff in the mail, do you know what I do with that? I grab it. I take it immediately to my study. There's a special file. Mark Taxes 2022 on my desk right now. In, in it goes. Why? You don't mess around with the government. I don't. I don't want to mess around with those tax documents. I'm not careless with them. I lay them up in a safe place where they won't be lost and forgotten about. And I believe this is something that we need to apply tonight when you think about it. Because our minds are very much like a mailbox. 
I tell you what, man, I got a lot of mail today. And I'm going to tell you almost all of it was junk in my head. I came home telling my wife about it. Drama, drama, drama. The world's full of it. But our minds are like a mailbox and every day they get things put in them by the world. And every day we have to sort through those things and clean it out. If you don't, your mailbox is going to be stuffed. It won't be good for anything anymore. You've got to clean out it every day like I do my mailbox. And like I said, the first thing I do with my mail is get rid of the junk mail. It's the same thing with our mind. The first thing we need to do is get rid of the junk. And like my bills, the, there's other information that we receive throughout the day. And then we act on that information and then we forget it, right? Once I pay the bill, I forget about the bill. There's some bills I don't worry about. I have email recordings of them. Some I, you know, I may stick and hang on to for 30 days and then not worry about it when I get the next bill. But, but, but we act on that information and then we forget about it. But like the tax documents, the commandments of God are something that we don't need to mess around with. There's something we need to tremble at. When I get, when I get those tax documents, I think, ooh, Important tax information enclosed is usually what it says. And I think, ooh, I don't want to just lay this down somewhere and forget it. I may end up doing my taxes later, forgetting this particular document, and then we'll end up having to file a correction or something or get audited. or I don't want to mess around with that. Well, how much more important are the commandments of God? Because if you lay those aside instead of lay them up, and you forget about them, and you neglect them, you're going to have a whole lot more trouble than an audit that you're going to have to mess with. When we learn what God requires of us in His Word, when we read the wise and loving commandments here in the book of Proverbs that He's given to us, we need to do like I do my tax documents. We need to immediately put those commands in a special place in our hearts, where instead of dismissing them, we cherish them and determine to obey them. That's what it means to lay them up. People get their lives so upside down because they get the process all backwards. They toss God's word in the recycling bin. Some people do their tax stuff the same way. But they toss God's word in the recycling bin. And, and, and then they file the junk mail in their hearts. The average young person today cares more about what's happening on TikTok than what's happening in the kingdom of God. They couldn't tell you what's happening in the kingdom of God. They don't care about what's happening in the kingdom of God. But they know everything going on, the latest crazes and stupidity on TikTok. They are not laying up God's commandments in their hearts. They're tossing them in the recycling bin of their hearts. By considering them to be junk, fables. By considering them to be oppressive and out of date, irrelevant to their lives. They, they toss them in the trash of their mind and they never think about them again. Or if they do think about them, they just think, oh, there's a bunch of trash. They're not laying them up, they're throwing them away. 
When God is telling us, verse 2, keep my commandments and live. Keep my commandments and live. He says, keep them. He says, lay them up. He says, keep them. And then there's a benefit to keeping them. You live and not die. Don't throw them away. Don't dismiss them. Keep my commandments and live. Now you would think that living would be a really good selling point for keeping God's word, wouldn't you? Tammy and I have been talking about something the past couple of days that has been heavy on on our hearts as we watch it affect a particular person we love. And it's the result of disobedience. It's ultimately the result of disobedience of God's word. And and when when you see the potential joy in life and blessing in life being lost due to disobedience, that's a loss of life. Not a complete loss of life because the person still lives, but a partial loss of life. But we've also seen people have a complete loss of life due to obedience. One uh, man I went to school with growing up, I guess he's still in prison for murdering someone. He was with someone from this church, a young man from this church. He was from Central Baptist Church in Athens as a young man. He went out with another young man from this church. And they got off on the way to California one day to go experience the California dream or whatever it was supposed to be. And they ended up murdering somebody who stopped to help them when they broke down in their car. man stopped to give them a ride, so they killed him. Stole his credit cards and went shopping. So we've seen the complete loss of life. A lady I went to school with, she lost her life driving drunk. Whether you're in prison or whether you're in hell or whether you're just in great depression, keep my commandment and live is what the Scripture says. And again, you would think that living would be a good selling point for keeping God's Word because I love living. I don't want to die in any degree at all. I want to keep God's commandments and live. But I am convinced that many people would rather die in their sin than live in obedience to God. I'm convinced of that. I'll never understand it. But I can't deny it. Because we see it every day. I used to work with a man who loved smoking cigarettes. Smoking like a freight train. It was Paul Mall, Pell Mall. How do you pronounce it? How do you pronounce it, Miss Ann? Okay. But the ones with no filters on them. Nelda would know. Yeah. But uh, the ones with no filters on them. I'm teasing Nelda. She's not here. And, uh, but he, he, he smoked them all the time. And I would get on to him. He wouldn't listen to me. He was a lot, young, a lot older than me. He's old enough to be my dad. And one day, this 50-year-old man had an 80-something-year-old man get on to him in front of me. Wayne was, he'd take his pack of cigarettes out. He'd go, he'd pull them one out like that. And just when he was about to light up that cigarette, that 80-something-year-old man reached up and grabbed him by the arm, 
pulled his arm down. He said, young man. Oh, I loved it because he was 50. He called him young man. He said, young man. He said, don't smoke that. It'll hurt you. It's bad for you. You can tell that old man cared about him. And Wayne says, I know what I'm doing. And went ahead and raised his arm up to that cigarette anyway. I know what I'm doing. So the old man let his arm go and let him smoke. And then several years later, my co-worker got lung cancer. I'd already moved. I wasn't working with him anymore. But I'd moved off to another city. And I called him. I said, Wayne, I had to ask the obvious. I had to dress the elephant in the room. I said, Wayne, did you quit smoking? He said, yes, right after I found out I had lung cancer. Well, it's a little late, you know. Wayne knew the risks, but Wayne loved his cigarettes. Well, eventually they removed one of Wayne's lungs and he survived. And he went back to work at his, his little, uh, little job at the courthouse as a bailiff. And while I happened to be going through his town one day, I stopped to say hi to him at his house. And as I was talking to him, I happened to notice that familiar rectangular shape there in that shirt pocket. I thought, oh boy, it looks like a pack of cigarettes again. I didn't say anything because there's really nothing else you can say. I just guessed he figured that his tobacco was worth dying for. We've seen people like that in hospitals. They, they're dying of lung cancer or emphysema or whatever. And they're out there with oxygen. They pull that oxygen off and they're sucking that smoke in. And that's the way people are with sin. You can tell them God's word. You can tell them that sin, like that 80-year-old man, that sin will destroy your life, young man. It will destroy your family. It will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your health and your happiness. You can tell them that sin will take them to hell. And they'll toss your warnings in the trash of their minds. Because they truly believe their sin is worth dying for. Like my friend with cancer, it doesn't make any sense to me. Sin is killing our families and killing our nation. And, and people are okay with that. But as for me, I want to live. In life, at all levels, both temporary life in the flesh and eternal life in the spirit, uh, with, with Jesus, it's all found in God's word. It's all found in God's commandments. Whether it is... Uh, you know, don't covet your neighbor's wife or his house or anything that is thy neighbor's, all the way down to the commandment to look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Life at all levels is found and obtained by our adherence to God's word. So we must learn to lay it up instead of toss it aside if we want to live life as it was meant by God for us to live. Keep my commandments, God says. Look back in your text. And my law as the apple of thine eye. The apple of your eye. Learn to see everything in life through God's word. Keep it as the apple of your eye. What do you do with the apple of your eye, with the pupil of your eye? You get your light through it, don't you? I view every one of y'all right now through the apple of my eye. And if we keep God's law as the apple of our eye, then we will view 
everything in life through God's Word. It will cause us to interpret life circumstances the way God says they really are. Keep His commandments in the center of your eye and view the world through them. Verse 3, bind them upon thy fingers, not just your eyes. Put them, tie them on your fingers. I used to when I was a kid, people would tie a string around their finger to remind themselves of something. y'all remember that? Does anyone do that anymore? Anybody? I wouldn't think so. I remember seeing someone one time, I don't know if it was real life or it was a show I saw, but they, they had two strings on their fingers. And someone said, well, what's that for? Oh, that's to remind me of something I need to do today. They said, what's the other string for? That's to remind me uh, what that was on the first finger I was supposed to do because I can't remember. But bind them upon thy fingers as a person would tie a string on their fingers to not forget something. Bind the commandments on your fingers so that you will always remember that everything you put your hands to is to be done according to God's Word for God's glory. Your eyes, how you view things. Your hands, how you do things. Before you set forth your hand to do something, make sure that your actions of your hands agree with the commandments of God's Word. Make sure the actions of your hands agree with the commandments of God's Word. Tie them on your fingers. Look back in your text. Write them upon the table of thine heart, which God will do in the end through the new covenant, remember. God will indelibly write them on our heart in the end. We will have a new heart, and the commandments of God are going to be part of that heart, part of our our way of thinking. But right now, while we still have this this stony heart of, of, of Adam's rebellion... We have to continually write them there and and, and vouchsafe them and keep them and hedge them about there in our hearts lest they be lost in our forgetfulness of sin. But we should write them upon the table of our hearts so that we think according to God's word and mentally apply the scriptures to our thoughts. You should, what Solomon's saying, he's saying you should keep them Bind them. Write them. Keep them. Bind them. Write them. Not only should we keep, bind, and write God's word, but we should even speak to God's words, His commandments. Solomon said, verse 4, Say unto wisdom, Thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman. Speak to them. Keep them, bind them, write them, them, talk to them, speak to them. Brother Richard, what does he mean? Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman. Should we really open the Bible in the morning when we read the scriptures, maybe to do our daily devotions and say, thou art my kinswoman. Is that what he's telling us to do? No, that's not what he's telling us to do. I believe Solomon is speaking here about the obedience of our hearts, the the attitude of our hearts. By calling wisdom and understanding your near kin, it's showing that you are born from the same source. You see? That you have the same blood running through your veins. If 
uh, Brother Shepherd and I were were brothers physically. He would be my kin, and we would have descended from the same lineage, begotten of the same parents. And if I have been begotten by the Word of God through faith in Jesus Christ, which is the only way to be saved, the only way you can have faith in Jesus is by hearing the Word about Jesus, what God's Word says about Jesus. So if I have been begotten by the Word of God, then every Word of God that God gives is my kinswoman. It's my near relative. It is what has given me life. And now I'm in its family. And when I call it my kinswoman and I, I say, uh, you are my sister, you're my kinswoman. I'm saying, we are family. You say, Brother Richard, what, what all does that mean? Well, in Mark chapter 3, if you're taking notes, writing, writing this down your margin, write down Mark chapter 3, verse 35. Mark chapter 3, verse 35. Look what Jesus said. It's, it, it's the same thing that Solomon's saying, but instead of saying it from our perspective, it's saying it from Jesus' perspective. Instead of saying it from our perspective concerning the Word, we're hearing what the Word says concerning us. Because Jesus is the Word. Okay? So in Mark three thirty-five, look what Jesus said. He said, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and mother. You see what Jesus is doing? He's looking at someone who's doing God's will. Someone who has kept his commandments, laid them up, bound them, kept them as the apple of their eye. And doing God's will. Specifically here in the New Testament concerning his son Jesus. And the salvation he provides. But Jesus said, whoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother. And my sister and my mother. You see what Jesus is doing? If I've accepted God's word concerning my sin, concerning the son, I believe on his son for my salvation... I am doing God's will concerning Jesus Christ. And then Jesus says concerning me. He is my brother. She is my sister. My mother. My family. Because they've embraced the commandments of God. They're my family. Here's a kingdom truth. Whoever does the will of God. Is born into the family of God. The Apostle John told us that in his epistles. But whoever does the will of God is born into the family of God. You cannot embrace God's word without being part of God's family. You can't be part of God's family unless you embrace God's word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Word made flesh, the Bible says, To as many as received in them gave He power to become the sons of God. We're begotten into God's family. Whoever receives the Word is begotten by the Word. Whoever rejects the Word 
will die without it. Keep my commandments and live, he says. With that, we'll go ahead and close tonight. And Lord willing, take back up in the next verse next Wednesday night. Let me go ahead and, and speak something real quick to make sure and qualify things in people's minds so there's no misunderstanding. Whenever we're talking about God's Word and obedience, not everything mentioning life means eternal life. A lot of times it's talking about temporary life. And not everything concerning God's Word and God's commandments is referring to the Ten Commandments. We're not talking about living by obeying the law and being justified by our works. We're talking about living in all aspects of life by embracing the Word of God, which gives us life, both temporal as well as eternal. With that, we'll go ahead and close. Father, we thank you so much for your precious Word. We love you. Thank you, God, for caring so much about us that you plead with us from Scripture. And you say, keep my commandments and live. It reminds me of when you told Israel through Ezekiel that you said, I set before thee this day life and death. Choose life. Lord, you want us to choose life. You want us to keep your commandments and live. You want us to live both here on earth the way you intended for us to live by obeying your word. And you want us to live forever with you in your kingdom by keeping your word concerning your son. Help us, Lord, I pray, to keep them, to lay them up, to bind them, to write them, and to say unto them, you are my sister and my near kinswoman. In Jesus' precious name we pray.